You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like pop culture? I do. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, Andrew. Oh. If you enjoy movies, television, all that kind of stuff, uh, we have a lot of fun on Sif Pop Podcast, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. So you can come check us out every week. You can listen live or just download it to your podcast feed. Every single week, Aaron breaks down the newest movies that are big in theaters, and I make funny noises. <laughs> You could probably pick one of those that you would like. You can join us every weekend live by looking at Spreaker.com slash DNA, or you can find us in your podcast player of preference by searching for Sift Pop. Uh, yeah, Jim, it's me, Darnell, producer up in a boot. Uh, we are supposed to record uh, some new production for uh, uh, the uh, thing down in South Bend, Indiana, them sports dudes or the yak man, whatever it's called. I don't care who's waiting for what. I'm not doing anything until I finish eating my lunch. That's all I ask. Let me eat my lunch. And those two idiots in South Bend can just wait. In fact, they can wait for two years before I do anything with that. Uh, yeah, Jim, it's me, Darnell, producer of the booth. I know you're eating, but would you please just do it so that you and I could go home and just relax and not do stuff? Would you just do it? Sure, I don't care. Let me, I got a mouthful of sandwich right now. Here, buddy. I, Jim Shorts, and it's time for sports yet. Here, South Bend on the podcast. I can't even eat, so here's your host, Corey Mann, and the other guy, whatever his name is, on the sports podcast that no one's listening to. How is that done, though? That's not good. At least it's done now. Now, here's the sports yak, dudes. And away we go with episode 106, Chuck Freebie. It's the Chris Sale episode. The Red Sox, former White Sox pitcher, has 106 career wins. Therefore, we make it the Chris Sale episode. <laughs> Let's get right after it because we've got a special guest on today. I want to give you plenty of time to chat with him. Golf over the weekend, Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland, kind of a, a journeyman golfer and... Winds up winning the U.S. Open. Uh, his dad, a former golfer, had a heart attack while playing golf that he thought was heartburn. It wound up being three 
bypasses, and then he coded. Wow. <laughs> and and uh, at one time passed away, but came back to life and was able to see his son win at Pebble Beach, 13 under par. Pebble Beach more, normally in a U.S. Open plays much tougher than it did over the weekend, but they've had a lot of rain as we have. It softened the course, and the golfers were able to take advantage. And Woodland, despite never having the lead of a major after three rounds, was able to keep it together and hold off a charge from Brooks Kepka yesterday. Kepka trying to become the first three-time U.S. Open champ since Willie Anderson back in the early 1900s. Uh, but Kepka could not overcome Gary Woodland, and so Woodland now adds his name to the list of U.S. Open champions. Your girls played soccer in high school. Do they have their eye on the women's soccer team? or They're watching it more than I am, quite frankly. Yeah. And uh, Carly Lloyd yesterday with a pair of goals. She's been uh, a fixture of the U.S. women's national team. And Julie Ertz, the wife of Philadelphia Eagles tight end Zach Ertz, scored the other goal on a beautiful header goal. The USA beats Chile by a count of 3 nothing, And so now the U.S. into the round of 16 which is what they call the knockout round. This was pool play that they were in to begin with, but now they will move on to play in the round of 16, and that's when it becomes single elimination in this Women's World Cup. There is nothing like Andres Cantor on the call for the World Cup. My goodness. Now, Good to see had, Telemundo. If you had him at Sportscasters Camp, I mean, how do you how do you describe that little moment right there? Like that's a thing, right? That's, that's like his thing. That's, that's his thing. Yeah. Okay. Don't try to be Andres Cantor. Come up with your own thing. Do you have your own thing when it comes to soccer, or is it like that? I've only called a couple of soccer games, and I would say, no, I don't have my own thing. don't have that? Tried to stay up to watch a little baseball last night. Cubs out on the West Coast with the Dodgers. They have struggled on this West Coast trip. They only went 2-5 and five against a pair of good teams, Colorado and the Dodgers. In fact, uh, you can certainly make the argument the Dodgers are the best team right now in the National League, and their pitching held down the Cub bats. You look at the run totals for the Cubs in this series, and that'll tell you all you need to know about why they lost three out of four to the Dodgers. Uh, heartbreaker last night, 3-2. Russell Martin, the veteran backup catcher. Steve Ciszek had him on the ropes with a 2-2 count, and Martin was actually fooled on the pitch but reached out and slapped it into left field, and Chris Bryant didn't make a very good throw to the plate, and the Cubs wind up losing 3-2. Verdusco makes a diving catch in center field to preserve the win. So the Cubs will come home for the Crosstown Classic now and play the White Sox on Tuesday and Wednesday at Wrigley Field. A much-needed day off for this Cub team today. White Sox had a sold-out game last night, but they lost well, to the Yankees. they said it was sold out. I'm not sure that it really was sold out. It was yeah. their biggest crowd of the year so far. They did have over 40,000 
at the corner of 35th and Vec to see the Yankees demolish them 10-3. White Sox had touched the 500 mark on Friday, but now they're back to two below 500 at 34 and 36. Still, Ricky Renteria doing a nice job with this ball club. Tigers, Tigers are awful. Watch. Oh, they're awful. <laughs> they lost to Cleveland eight nothing yesterday. First career shutout for Trevor Bauer. They're they're bad. Rockies and Padres back and forth and back and forth. Major league record for most runs scored in a four game series. Hmm. Uh, yesterday, the final fourteen thirteen San Diego. It's interesting. My my father in law was over at the house yesterday, and they live out in Colorado. And apparently, any time the Rockies score seven runs or more, that means tacos for the fans. I don't know if you have to have a ticket or you just go and that's part of the promotion, but it's it's tacos for seven or more. Well, <laughs> the Rockies have been handing out a lot of tacos in the Denver area, as I think they have scored seven or more in five of their last seven games. Uh, here were the scores... Let me get you the scores from the series with San Diego because this was a wild, wild series. San Diego, I think it was the Friday night game, uh, wound up scoring four in the ninth to tie it and winning it with a grand slam in the 12th. So here we go. Thursday, they the Rockies won 9-6. to six. Friday, they lost 16-12. to 12. Saturday, they won 14-8. to eight, And yesterday, they lost 14-13. to 13. So here's the good news for the Rockies. They scored 48 runs in the four-game series. The bad news is they only got a split. I saw a uh, Ben Zobrist article over the weekend with Theo being quoted maybe September. Maybe. Maybe. I I tend to doubt it. A lot of talk, though, still. There's a lot of communication still happening between uh, the upper office and Ben. Keeping keeping an eye on him. Well, and that's good. I mean, somebody should be keeping an eye on him, but. Quite frankly, right now, uh, he seems to be throwing himself into trying to take care of his children, which is probably, considering the circumstances of this divorce, what he needs to be doing. College World Series, Vanderbilt, Mississippi gets win. Mississippi State gets a win. Michigan plays Florida State tonight. You know what time that game's at? That's, uh, I believe, a 7.30 start. Okay. And uh, that'll be an interesting game. Michigan won its opener on Saturday by a count of 5-3 to three over Texas Tech. Florida State, with Mike Martin, the venerable head coach who's been there forever, has said this is his last season. His team didn't look very good in April, but by May, they had turned it around. They win the ACC championship. They punch a ticket to the College World Series, and trying to give him his first national championship, they won a one nothing game over Arkansas on Saturday. So now it's Michigan and Florida State in the winner's bracket of that upper bracket at the CWS and the winner tonight sitting in very fine fettle. Big recruiting weekend for Notre Dame football. The very familiar name. Well, Michael Carmody uh, is the brother of Notre Dame basketball player Robbie Carmody and is a terrific offensive lineman out of the state of Pennsylvania. 66295 was being looked at by Ohio State and Penn State but decides to join his brother at Notre Dame and it was quite the bonanza for the Irish over the weekend. Now, Carmody is a guy that's going to show up in the fall of 2020. They got two players for the class of 2021 over the weekend. A four-star defensive tackle by the name of Gabriel Rubio 
and then a four-star offensive lineman from right here in Indiana, Avon High School, down towards Indianapolis by the name of Blake Fisher. Fisher is rated as the number two offensive lineman, I believe, in the country. And this uh, this Rubio kid, Mike Elston, did a great job in recruiting him. Uh, he was another one that was being looked at by Ohio State, Oklahoma, Penn State, 6'6", 290 pounds out of St. Charles, Missouri, and really says the academics were the difference in him deciding to come to Notre Dame. So, you know, all these people who say, well, you can't recruit at Notre Dame because of the high academics. Some kids who are talented want that challenge, and apparently these three would fall into that category. South Bend Cubs had a kind of a rough going as of last night for their All-Star weekend. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears as the big uh, weekend kickoff concert Sunday night was supposed to be Pitbull, but apparently he couldn't get his private G4 from Miami to South Bend. Let me absolve the South Bend Cubs of any blame that has to do with this. This is not the fault of Andrew Berlin. This is not the fault of Joe Hart. This is the fault of Mr. Worldwide. Because as Joe Hart told us on the air this morning, apparently Mr. 305 is not Mr. 574. No. You can't tell me. I've seen the radar picks from yesterday. You cannot tell me that he could not get here. There was no problem with any other flight getting out of Miami. Pitbull didn't want to be here. He didn't show up. It's as simple as that. Now, I don't know if he doesn't feel good or what. And, and I've seen some of the tweets about people saying, well, yeah, Garth showed up in a snowstorm. Well, Garth had been here all week, too, working on the Habitat for Humanity project, and he was playing a 80,000-seat venue and not a 5,000-seat venue. But I don't want to hear this garbage from Pitbull's camp about, oh, the weather was too bad, we couldn't make it safely. That's a bunch of baloney. That was the That was just the iceberg yesterday. Joe told me. About 10 o'clock yesterday morning, somebody turned down that road where the uh, the the uh, gift store is, the old uh Yeah, the old synagogue, synagogue. And just gassed it, went over the sidewalk, and just ran right into that wall into the fun zone. Didn't know if they were drunk or high, but they left their mark on the wall. So there's wow. that. Ying Yang twins were both there doing their sound check. And in the middle of sound check, uh, the agent called and told Joe one of the twins has to leave. His brother got shot and killed in Atlanta on a drive-by yesterday afternoon. Oh, my gosh. And they went past where his mom lives and just rattled the house with bullets as well. So the manager of the Ying Yang twins filled in for the missing which one that was. And then at about 6.50, the phone call started about uh, Pitbull and his g4 not being able to make it his entourage did some of them drove six hours yeah his dancers are all there yeah they were all there 13 of them ready to go i can't imagine they're very thrilled with mr worldwide either but you turn the corner tonight's going to be a great night for the uh the home run derby a very fan fest oriented a handful of classic cubs players are going to be there andre dawson fergie jenkins there's two hall of famers right there then you got your mitch williams and your leon durham you're Steve Trout, you're Randy Hundley. So if you're a Cub fan from back in the day, anywhere between 69 and 89, you're covered in there. Uh, you get to meet the players from the East and West team. These are future players that you might see on a baseball card or uh, on the big uh, the big field here in two or three years. Well, you got the former Notre Dame baseball player by the name of Nick Podkel, 
And then you've got Wander Franco. Wander Franco from Bowling Green. Who is the fourth-rated prospect in all of Major League Baseball. Buddy Bailey told us on our morning show today that Wander Franco is the best prospect in the Midwest League. Uh, home run derby, so bring your gloves. The winner gets a thousand bucks, which will be huge to them because they only make what twelve hundred a month. A lot of year? them only make twelve hundred a month. Now, remember, a lot of your higher end draft picks got their money in signing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you just because they're making twelve hundred a month doesn't mean that you have to hold a telethon for them. However, the later round draft picks and and some later round draft picks make the Midwest League All Star game. For them, a thousand bucks is a big deal. Yeah. Tomorrow night in the the game, the East versus the West, I believe seven thirty five. Joe told us yes for the first pitch. About one hundred and fifty tickets left, so you can uh, get those at southendcubs.com. Or- and it's supposed to be a beautiful night tomorrow night. About mm-hmm. seventy eight. Might be a little humid, but you can deal with that in the summertime in South Bend. You want to set us up with who you're about to speak with? Well, uh, a guy that has been in the bigs. Well, I shouldn't say the bigs. Has been in professional baseball now for 40 years. Uh, One of the winningest, in fact, the winningest active manager in minor league baseball, Buddy Bailey. This is his first summer with the South Bend Cubs, so our first chance to chat with him today on Sports Yak. Sports Yak! Sports Yak, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Follow the Yak on Twitter at Sports Yak with two Ks, but the second K is silent. Man, we're excited to have on the Sports Yak today Buddy Bailey, the manager of the South Bend Cubs. Buddy, a, a veteran of 40 years or more of professional baseball, and this is his first year in South Bend, so our first chance to chat with him. And Buddy, first of all, how'd you get the nickname? Actually, I was named after my father legally. My mother didn't want me to be called Welby after my dad or Junior. So when I, before I got from the hospital, they said that she named me Buddy, and that's what stuck up and still there. Well, it seems to fit because you've been able to get along with so many different people throughout your career in professional baseball. From what I understand, uh, in terms of becoming a manager, Joe Torrey kind of gave you your start. Is that right? Well, in 1983, Three, I went to Major League Spring Training, non-roster catcher. Been there about a week or ten days, and uh, Dale Maxwell came by. He was third base coach. Said Joe wants to talk to you, and I'm going, man, what have I done or whatever? And I go in his office, and it was before we went on the field, and he was saying that some front office people they needed a somebody to manage rookie league. Some guys in the front office had recommended me to that they would like to see me take that opportunity told Joe I'm like 24 or 5 years old. I said, Joe, I'm still young. I want to play. But he explained through the grapevine, you know, they really don't have plans for you as a player. You ought to take this opportunity. And after talking to him probably 15 minutes, I said, great, I'll I'll do it. So go out of his office, time to go on the field. I go in the backfield and hit some fungos through batting practice to a group. We come in, and my locker's empty. And I'm going, man, I told him I was going to stay around and do this. <laughs> so I go to the clubhouse guy, and I said, man, where's all my stuff at? He goes, oh, you're a coach now. you got to go over there in the coach's room. So I walked in, and my locker was right beside Bob Gibson, who was a big man, and he was one of my idols as a kid. Believe it or not, where I grew up in Virginia, we couldn't pick up the Senators or the Orioles, but some through the mountains there in the Appalachian Mountains, we could get a reception to listen to the Cardinals. So I grew up a Cardinal fan, Joe and Gibby, and then 
then it all started and you know then it, I, I grew up a lot in three or four hours from the time i would <laughs> walk in that clubhouse that morning to the time i left that afternoon how intimidating was it to have a locker next to a guy like bob gibson well being new and green and not knowing what i was doing you know you just kind of keep your eyes and your ears open and your mouth shut basically but he was such a big guy and he said kid what do you hey what well, did i and made a few comments so we'd sit and talk some obviously side by side at locker so it was a great uh learning experience and at the same time people that were older and been around and they're legends basically hall of fame type guys that you idolize as a kid that was that might have been as much meant as much to me as much as taking on the job itself getting in on the on the managing part of it so here we are now in 2019 35 years later why have you stuck around with this i'm fortunate uh i live an extended childhood baseball (laughs) baseball is a kid's game and most people like this all-star stuff and people people usually remember the first baseball game they go to with the father i don't think many people can say that about basketball even football so i think it's generally a kid's game and my job i've realized is hopefully you instill in your players to still have the kid's heart that we all had when we were four five seven ten years old but my job is trying to help them turn the head into a man's head and the guys who can keep the kids heart at them as a player and turn their head into a man's head and figure out the game and mature in every way that it takes to be a real pro, that's the ones that are your superstars. And uh, some guys can do that, some guys can't, but I still have a passion in my heart for the game of baseball. I'm a sports fan anyway. I've been fortunate my whole adult life, uh, life that I've worked in a professional sport, and baseball was number one for me. In, in trying to teach these young men how to become a man, and and keep that kid's heart are players different than they were 35 years ago or do we make too much of that i think there are some things that are different with the players guys uh, it's i think the society in the world each generation a lot of things come a lot easier for them as kids whereas i know when i was a kid i had to go weed the uh, flower bed you got had you i had a till at seven eight years old going up and down rows of Whatever we were growing in the thing, you went and slopped the hogs. You had to mow the grass. Your dad said, hey, wash the car. I'll be gone for a while. Wash the car. For a I think a lot of guys grew up and don't have any of those responsibilities on them. And, you know, a lot of these young kids, I think, unfortunately, now they have so many. Back in the day, you got to do that, and then you got to go swimming. You got to hang with your buddies. Now, I think for some youth things, maybe it's too much baseball for some kids because they don't do anything around the house, but they have these travel teams, and they go do this, and they go. I think some of the players nowadays are growing up missing being a kid right. to a degree because it's too much too early. And I don't know if it burns them out or, you know, it's a lot of promises that come with these travel teams and all. So somewhere I'd like to see it be a happy medium. I've heard – I know some people in pro baseball that have been front office and had their own kids – after a while, they're wondering how much should the kids play one particular sport. And I, and I think most of the guys, if they are two or three, especially the three-sport guys, their capability of analyzing and making adjustments seems to be more than a kid that just plays the one game because you learn so much from all different team sports. Well, do you think, too, with the showcases that they have for young players, and, and you can tell that a kid runs fast or you can tell that a kid throws hard, but doesn't necessarily know that he knows the game or knows how to play the game. You find a lot of that? Well, you definitely find that when with the kids that come from the Dominican Republic and other countries because they basically go what they call a Bascone, 
who's like their agent takes them to show a, a tryout or the showcase that they have now and then and if a kid's a pitcher they have no idea how to get a hitter out they just sit there and the bottom line is i've got to run the radar gun got up to a certain velocity to get the to get a contract most of them can't spin the ball very well they have no change up so when you get them it's really starting ground zero just and it doesn't matter if these trout camps where they throw the fastball just as long as the velocity is good and we all know when you get in a ball game and it's a hitter you have a strike zone you got to get the ball within and you have to learn how to pitch read the previous swings to where where can i locate my pitches so and that's the biggest thing with the kids that don't get a play and i think you're right though it's such an emphasis on velocity a lot of kids don't think about the pitch ability to pitch in a game they just okay i'm somebody special i know these guys are watching me if i throw 90 something other whatever the thing is that's what it's all about so it, in some ways it uh, sends the wrong message as far as being a pitcher but that holds true with some position players because the scouts are grading you on your arm strength so what you do when you get in pro ball an outfield or a catcher have great arms but they take two seconds to run with the ball from here to the mm-hmm. parking lot before they release it so they can throw the best bolt every time. But then results, and once you get into pro sports, then result justifies the means. So usually you have to work on shortening up all of the things they do so it's less time in the hand and they're getting it on the way quicker. And occasionally hitting a cutoff man. Too, and right? all the above. But <laughs> that's part of showing your arm off. I'm not worried about this. It's not what it takes to really yep. play the game language barrier too you mentioned players from the dominican republic how do you deal with that because not only are they adjusting to a a completely new culture many of them probably don't have much of a grasp of the english language well luckily the cubs and most organizations now professionally have gone into where they have classes our kids go they have to be in a classroom english classroom 25 hours during the season and they actually start some of that down in Dominican to get a few basics, but each season, and then they actually, which is a great thing, spring training, this past year we had like 14 or 15 kids graduate from that class, which is saying they've passed the minimum requirement and they do understand English. So at spring training one morning, they have a big ceremony. All the other players and coaches are around. The kids come out, they actually give them a, a graduation gown, and, gown and the hat, and when they announce it, they throw it up. So it's a big event, and the kids are really proud of themselves. And one thing that I've noticed with that, kids that were kind of shyest or timid or whatever, it gives them such a big boost of confidence once they get that piece of paper. Cause, and it helps us as instructors, obviously, because when you want to talk about something right. or put, it, put an emphasis on something more than something else, they can understand that. Because I found out when in the past when you try to talk to them and you have a translator – not very many translators are really putting the same tone or the emphasis in. It's just a monotone, da-da-da-da-da-da. So I think once they learn the language, they understand where you're coming from, what's more important, understand the intensity of what part of what you're trying to tell them that, so they understand what's more important, if that makes sense to you. Scott Skiles, who grew up just down the road in Plymouth, terrific basketball player, wound up being a coach in the NBA, one set of basketball and fans. It's like church. Many attend, few understand. It, when we attend a baseball game, what's the biggest thing that we don't understand? Oh, gosh. Probably, number one, is the uh, people think that the players show up, probably, number one, they think they show up and do a little something, get loose and play, but 
Yeah, we seven started, o'clock starts. Six o'clock, we show up. Yeah, right. but it's not Sandlot Bowl. So, <laughs> or softball. No, we get there days two, two fifteen. You have guys. One day we may have everybody bunting and base hit bunting and rotating to get swings and doing some other stuff. To from there, you get into a some individual work defensively with guys, and then you have some time that you put in there for a team like bunt defenses or late in and defenses situation pitchers and infielders work together so it's a lot more going on than what the fans would probably think and uh, as a manager those workouts come down to what probably are the most important for the game and the game speeds up when kids play high school or college baseball the ones that haven't played much like we were just talking about they go at a rhythm and a thing but the game the higher go gets a little more quicker so a lot of our drills for me, that I try to instill stuff that makes them have drills that are quicker. Because I think a game for infielders, most of the game in the same routine plays, I'd say that's what I would call third and fourth gear. Mm-hmm. But the fifth gear, the overdrive plays, contact a man at third, he's going, it's a ground ball, I got to go home. Or a late inning first and third, you got a one run lead, you got to turn that double blade, or the game's over, or you're going right. to keep playing. Those are the ones that start separating stuff. So I try to put a lot of emphasis on those. So guys, once guys can do these fifth gear, what I call fifth gear plays, the routine plays really are routine after that. Would you rather have a high school player or somebody that's played some college? It depends on the maturity level. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you got some kids coming out of high school that are very mature, and you got some kids coming out of college aren't quite as mature either. Yeah. But it doesn't matter as long as they come with the right attitude and – they're willing to work and realize that they have things that they need to get better at and they are and they are coachable and you start seeing the progression of their game getting better that's what's so rewarding is when you're trying to help people along the way because we're basically teachers are players as schooled in the fundamentals coming through the youth leagues and high school and college as they were when you started pretty much okay not a whole lot of cutoffs and relays have changed and you see a variety of bunt defenses when it's a first and second situation, but you know it's probably eight or ten different ones. But most organizations will settle in on two or three that they have, and uh, where you go on a ball that's in the right center field gap and a man at first that hasn't changed. No, you you've gone up and down in the minor leagues with different organizations: Braves, Red Sox, Cubs. You had a cup of coffee in the major leagues. Did you ever want to be a major league skipper? Well, of course you did. I, I was a major league bench coach with Boston back in 2000, and that was a big thrill. And then the All-Star game in 99, I was the field coordinator for the Red Sox, so I went up to throw batting practice when they were having the All-Star game in Fenway and got a throw to McGuire and Sosa and all these guys. And actually, when they started the actual home run derby on ESPN, I'd never thrown to the guy, but John Jaha from Oakland was there, and I had to go and throw to him in the home run hitting deal. So... It was a different experience, but a lot of fun, too. And just being in the clubhouse with all those major league guys and seeing and everything, and then going back the next year, being in the big leagues, it's uh, that's why I talk about the maturity level. The big league guys, especially ones that have been there, it's such a different thing, the way they conduct oh, yeah. and handle themselves. You, you've been through so many different things. You mentioned you're a big sports fan. Uh I understand you had an encounter with Urban Meyer when Urban Meyer was a baseball player. Fill Nin- us in on that. Well, 1983, which was that spring training, they made me a manager. Uh, 
I, who would have ever known it was a young guy that was played some infield, second base, third base, fours, and it was Urban, kind of a quiet guy, but very intense, uh, worked very hard, and then I think he came back to spring training of 84 and got released, and obviously he had his background where he wanted to go coach high school football or ba- uh, baseball, and he got into football, and then rest, man, he did really great for himself. But you've had no encounters with him since. I have not met him since all right uh let's talk about this team this year 37 and 31 in the first half solid first half you were dynamite at home struggled on the road is is that common uh, unfortunately the parent club suffers the same fate right now i don't know i it's hard to put it on i know a lot of these uh when you go on the road the trips are close enough that you leave the morning of the first game okay so you kind of get up, and it guys maybe changes the whole routine. It's a long that, day. Yeah, and then you get somewhere, you eat, go to the ballpark, you practice, and then you play. And then in baseball, we've always said that usually the second day is worse than the first. So the first couple of days, a lot of times, if you're winning, if you go into another town and you win the first two, and it might be three or four games set, you're going to probably have a pretty good run as far as a visiting club. We just uh, we played Great Lakes up there. They're a tough team to beat at home. And the way the schedule fell this first half, it's different the second half. We played some of the better teams, more games on the road, which in turn the next half will get more of those games here at home. So hopefully we take, still play really well at home and find a way to get ourselves in the playoffs. We talked on the radio this morning about the five players you have playing in the All-Star game tomorrow night. And Braylon Marquez is the guy that everybody wants to talk about because he is the prime prospect. I saw him when he first came up here when he pitched against Notre Dame that day, and uh, he looked pretty good with the velocity, even though the conditions weren't the best that day, and it seems like he hasn't fallen off at all. He seems to be making progress. Is he making the kind of progress? He's making progress because, you know, you can't survive at the higher levels on one pitch, and the big emphasis has been trying to get him to – use and develop a changeup, and he's been doing a really good job with that lately and then on the other end his breaking ball I, I, I know it's as you said all the time an occasional one but he has a good one at times but it's not consistent yet right but one thing about him he's a big kid he's a strong kid and if it's pitch one to pitch 75 or pitch 80 he can sustain that velocity and a lot of guys you'll see drop a little bit but he's such a strong man that young man that he's able to sustain it all the way through from the position players Cole Roderer was hyped a lot when he came up here he's battled some injuries now he's back with you how's he progressing well he made a great play to save the game yesterday ball that was in the gap made a diving play and the next hitter got a base hit that would have tied the game in the ninth but unfortunately for him every time he started getting the swing to where he wanted something's happened then he sits on the bench for five to seven days and then it's crazy how that happens to some guys and hopefully it's no more this year but all of a sudden they get hot but i think some injuries come too because when you're hot with the bat what does it mean you're on base more so you're using your legs and sliding and more activity and most of his stuff has come by being on the bases and uh we got him on a special type stretch program now trying to be more proactive instead of the normal stretch everybody goes through so Hopefully with the training and the strength and conditioning guy, we're finding something that we can keep him on the field more often. Yeah, same thing happened to Corey Seager from the Dodgers with 
They talked about the fact that he was so hot and on the bases a lot, and then that's probably why he pulled his hamstring there. Uh, does your roster change much since the Major League Draft has been held? Will they juggle it up for you in the second half? Well, I'm sure they're still trying to sign a lot of guys. And and then they've, even after they sign them, they're going to send them to Arizona to get them in game shape. So we would probably, if it's going to be any changes, I would say it would be somewhere the second or third week of July. And we got some kids that are hurt. Velasquez an outfielder, Ortiz an outfielder. Uh, different injuries, and somewhere we'll be getting him back. Mejia, who was one of our best hitters early in this season, slid in and messed, and broke a bone in his hand. So somewhere in July, those three are going to be coming back out of Arizona getting ready to play. So I have no idea what this roster may look like August 1st, but hopefully those guys get healthy and get back on the field. Yeah, it's really not your choice anyway. You just exactly. coach them up, right? Exactly. All right, buddy. Hey, thanks for taking the time being with us today. Thank you. That buddy is a talker and the other thing about him is you may have mentioned or you may have noticed that accent buddy grew up in a part of virginia that sits between roanoke and charlottesville little town of about a thousand people and everybody from that area kind of talks like that and he told us on our morning show today on pulse fm the only guy that's ever been able to successfully identify that accent was the great pitcher Johnny Sane, who was a pitching coach in the Braves organization. Buddy was a catcher there. And Sane heard him talking and says, I know exactly where you grew up. <laughs> it's a very unique accent. There's some very unique word pronunciations this morning that I heard. It was like, wow, that's that's interesting. It's a little bit like talking with Boomauer from <laughs> King of the Hill. Some propane and propane accessories. I'm going to Don't make too much fun of him. We want him to come back. No, he's a great guy. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I hope he did, too. I think he did because he says, how long was that, 10 minutes? And I said, well, it was actually 20, so I'm glad you felt like it was 10. Anything else we need to cover? I think we have covered it all. I got to tell you, I am high on this Bruce Springsteen record. And if he tours it, I would love to go see it. Tell me more. It's cinematic. Does that make sense? It sounds like a movie soundtrack. It's not political. Okay. It's very, uh, there's there's sweeping keys and orchestrations. And uh, uh, you remember My Hometown? Remember that song? Yeah. Imagine that as the bass and, okay. then, and then filling it in some more. Yeah. Interesting. In, in fact, can I can I play you uh, my favorite song? I'd love to hear it. I uh, are we authorized? Yes, you can play songs as long as you kind of talk over them as well. Okay, <laughs> we can do whatever we want. We're the sports yak. We are the sports yak, and by golly, we will do whatever we want. If Springsteen's people want to come in here and try to make trouble, I am ready for them. You get to meet some uh, sports yak maniacs on Friday night. But uh, Stacy and Stacy is big on the Eric Kratz bandwagon. The yeah. latest Eric Kratz update: He's playing Triple A ball for Scranton in the Yankees organization. Still has not had a hit at Triple A. Please, ladies and gentlemen, join Stacy. Say a prayer for Eric Kratz. <laughs> on the new Springsteen record, it's called Western Stars. About uh, three songs left on the record. There's a song called "There Goes My Miracle." Okay. Okay. Sun 
skies above searching for my love searching for my A little of Elvis and somebody else. It doesn't really sound like Springsteen, right? But he kind of gets into that. But do you kind of feel like a Western movie type, you know, sunset on the horse? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can picture that. Um, Yeah. No, that's good. I like this. I, I like might this have record. to take a listen to that. I like that one. Good backyard, campfire, uh, stick a hot dog on a stick, and, and then eat that hot dog after you've put it in the fire. Twitter trending, because I know you are all about what's trending. Let me, let me hear it. The hashtag, what I learned from sports. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> let's go into the Corey Mann annals uh-huh be careful how you pronounce that Hey-o! and what did you learn from sports like growing up or just my my playing or hashtag what, what i learned from sports there that's um, what's there the best player gets the most attention if you're really good you can make a lot of money <laughs> that's true some people don't know when to quit that's true uh, which is ironic you say that because as I scroll through this Twitter timeline here, uh, this person said, no one to quit things you're not good at. Yeah. That's what they learned from sports. You know, pull, pull a Costanza, end on a high note. Don't uh, try to keep going when it's like, ah, you, you were done a decade ago. Sportsmanship, uh, camaraderie, winning isn't everything, but when you win, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> I would say how to compete. Yeah. I would say how how to compete. And part of competing is what you mentioned, the sportsmanship part, learning how to lose with grace and dignity. Yeah. And and win with it as well. Yes, celebrate your win. That's fine. But remember there's somebody over there on the other side that's hurting. And when you lose, understand that in sports, you know, it's it's only a game. It's not like it's not like some of the losses that you suffer in life. Here's one of my biggest fears about my son going to any kind of sports camp. He's new at it. He's very excited about it. He wants to know, but it's almost as if I have to pull the coach or the leadership aside and go, look, you got to go fundamentals with this young man. He doesn't know what the other kids know, in all honesty. And you know who did that for him was Mike Lightfoot. Yes. Uh, and he ended up having a great week. That first day was really scary to him but the rest of the week he loved it so he's got um he's gonna try out for basketball this next year at the uh, middle school give it a shot he's gonna run cross country and um you know the thing we struggle with our son uh, as far as sports is and he kind of does this with his classwork he does the bare minimum you know he does just enough to get by when he did cross country it's like we we kind of made him run so he'd have an activity that dude could run if he just applied himself just a, a hair more. Just took it up a notch one more. It's interesting you should mention that because last week I had the opportunity to MC the Bringle Award banquet over in Elkhart. Okay. 
And the winner of that was a young man by the name of Nathan Dibley. And Nathan Dibley is a three-sport athlete, cross-country, wrestling, and track. But his claim to fame in the city of Elkhart is for 808 consecutive days, Nathan Dibley ran at least one mile. Hmm. For 808 consecutive days. His theory being, I am not more talented than many of these individuals, but I will outwork them and make myself more talented. 808 days, so through four years? No, no, no. Two, two and a quarter years. Okay. Of running at least a mile every day. Wow. That's no matter what the conditions. Very inspiring. So, and, you know, he admits, I am not the best athlete in the city of Elkhart, but nobody, nobody outworked him. Hmm. I was going to throw in one more thing from what I learned from sports. Give it to me. And this apparently comes from ABBA. The winner takes it all. The loser has to fall. I think that's a Sammy Hagar song, too, from the classic film, Stallone film, Over the Top. Because Kramer versus Kramer was a great movie about divorce, but it's missing one thing. Arm wrestling. Thanks, Stallone. Over the top. There you go. Winner takes it all. Loser takes a fall. That's a good song. Not as good as I sang it just now. You can email the Sports Yak, the Sports Yak with two Ks at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on the Instagram. And uh, thank you to Coach Bailey for uh, a few minutes with uh, Chuckster. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga. This is the Sports Yak Podcast. The following has been brought to you by Rabbit Wigs and the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You've been listening to Sports Yak, all sports information. All that you've just been heard has been copywritten. Don't steal any of this stuff. This is Jimmy Shorts. That's good. Hey, business owner, there's a new way to get your message out. Advertising with the Sports Yak podcast with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann. With over 100 episodes in the archives, this is the number one sports podcast on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Actually, the only sports podcast on the network. Chuck and Corey have been friends for almost 30 years, and the podcast goes like this. Corey knows nothing about sports, but Chuck knows everything. With a mix of headlines, humor, and heart, this podcast continues to grow with three new episodes a week. With over 1,200 downloads in May of 2019, you can be assured your message will be heard by many. For example, their monumental episode 100 has been downloaded over 280 times. And with your commercial message strategically placed in the podcast recording, it'll be one of the first items the audience hears. Whether it's your advertising message or a podcast sponsorship, we'll help get your messages to the masses. Contact thesportsyak at gmail.com. That's thesportsyak with two Ks at gmail.com for more info. And download an episode of Sports Yak and hear for yourself. iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you download podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.